Section 47 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The World Story, Volume 12. The United States. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 47. Calling a Minister Three Centuries Ago. 1652 by Ava March Tappan In 1652, the little church in Boston was in sore distress, for their beloved minister, John Cotton, was sick unto death, and who should take his place? Who was so learned, and withal so fervent in spirit as he? Who could so wisely instruct the elders, and yet remember the children, for had he not written milk for babes? A little catechism well known in England? The poor people knew not what to do, and so, as they had done with many a hard question, they carried this hardest and saddest of all to their pastor, and with heartfelt grief and many tears, asked him whom he would choose to teach them when he should be gone. This was a question upon which the weary, suffering man had pondered ever since he knew that he must leave his beloved people. Perhaps a dream which, as the old record says, gave no encouragement unto this business, may yet have given him a thought. For he dreamed of seeing Mr. Norton, the minister of Ipswich, come into Boston riding on a white horse, and he at once advised his people to ask the church of Ipswich to give them Mr. Norton for their pastor. Now these simple people could not have been good financiers, for they made no effort to get a man to fill the house. They did not even hear candidates a few months. They seemed anxious only to have a settled pastor and wise teacher as soon as possible. And so, after the death of their beloved minister, they went frankly to the Ipswich church, telling them what Mr. Cotton had said, and begging that they, being accommodated with such another eminent person as Mr. Rogers, would, out of respect unto the general good of all the people of God throughout the land, so far deny themselves as to dismiss him, Mr. Norton, from themselves. Now this same church in Ipswich had great regard for Mr. Rogers, and, too, they cared much for the good of the church in Boston. But Mr. Norton was very dear to them, for they loved him in the old-time way that would now be thought sadly out of fashion, and there was much question whether they ought to let him go. They were trying to love their neighbor as themselves, but to give up their dear pastor was to love their neighbor better than themselves, and that was more than was required. At least, so thought some of the less spiritually-minded ones among them. Finally, one of the church said, Brethren, a case in some things like this was once that way determined. We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. Wherefore, I propose that our teacher himself be inquired of whether he be inclined to go and so they agreed to leave it to Mr. Norton himself. But when the matter was laid before him, he refused to make a choice, and would only say, Rather than wound my conscience with unlawful compliances, I came to this country, and should you now judge that as good reasons call for my removal to Boston, then will I resign myself. I am afraid that these good people may seem to us a little slow, for Mr. Norton does not seem to have at all considered the question of the rival advantages of Boston versus Ipswich, or whether the climate of the larger town might not better agree with his health, and so give him more years of usefulness. And neither church seems to have thought of helping the question on to a settlement 
by offering a larger salary. The matter was slow to arrange itself, for the Boston people had no newer argument than that old one of Bible times. Let him that hath two coats give to him that hath none. And to that the church in Ipswich did reply, But Boston hath one. It hath Mr. Wilson. Then said Mr. Wilson, But I am old. My voice hath failed me. I can no longer minister publicly in the congregation. I am nothing. At length the Ipswich people agreed to let Mr. Norton sojourn at Boston for a time until the will of God should be discovered, and to content themselves with the ministrations of Mr. Rogers, Mr. Norton's assistant. But they did not lose their old-fashioned love for their pastor, and when, not long after, Mr. Rogers died, they insisted that the church in Boston should give up Mr. Norton, and there was a council of all the churches called, and they did advise the Ipswich Church to grant Mr. Norton a fair dismission unto the service of Boston. For after taking prayerful thought of the matter, it had been borne upon their minds that Boston had greater need of this earnest man than Ipswich. But the spirit of rebellion had seized upon the church of Ipswich, and they said, Nay, but we will not give Mr. Norton a dismission. Then was the strong arm of the law stretched forth, for there was no other authority to which these stiff-necked men of Ipswich would bow, and again was a council called, composed of the magistrates and the governor of the colony, and they did order the church in Ipswich to let Mr. Norton go to Boston. And now must the rebellious church needs yield, which they did with a better grace, since the council had suggested that Mr. Norton had long wished to return to England, and that if the two churches should longer contend, they might so weary him with their strife, that perchance they would both lose the profit of his presence." then gave the Church of Ipswich to Mr. Norton a fair dismission to Boston, and took for their minister Mr. Cobbett, who, as the Chronicle tells us, continued a rich blessing unto them. Mr. Norton removed to Boston, where he remained many years, to the edification of his hearers. And thus it was that the little Church of Boston called a minister three centuries ago. End of section 47